0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Relationship Alive. This is your host, Neil Satin. It's pretty common these days to hear people talking about having healthy boundaries. But what does that even mean? How would you know what a healthy boundary looks like? And how do you honor other people's boundaries? And if you're experiencing a boundary breakdown... How do you get back on the right track so that you know what your boundaries are and so that they're respected by the other people in your life? Today's guest is Sari Gilman, a therapist for 30 years who's also directed several nonprofits, and she's the author of the book Transform Your Boundaries. In this book, Sari Gilman explains exactly what your boundaries are and what they aren't and gives you guidance about how to bring your boundaries and yourself back online. Sari is generously offering a free copy of her book to two lucky listeners, along with a set of her Transform Your Boundaries cards, which aren't currently available to the public. To qualify for that, all you have to do is download the show guide for today's episode at neilsatin.com boundaries, or you can simply text the word passion to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. So whether you're in a relationship or not, having a healthy sense of self and how to be in choice when it comes to maintaining your boundaries is an essential skill. Sari Gilman, thank you so much for being here with us on Relationship Alive to help us learn how it's done.
1: Thanks, Neil. And it's great to be here. And I'm looking forward to having this conversation.
0: Excellent. Well, there's so much to talk about um, but before we get into the nitty gritty, I'd love to hear from you, what, how, what is a boundary and what isn't a boundary? So because people kick that term around all the time these days. And what I appreciated about your book is that you get really clear on what it is and what it isn't. So could you just give us a, a quick rundown?
1: Yes, I like to use very simple definitions, and particularly when it comes to boundaries, because I think boundaries can feel very complicated. Um, even the word, many people ask me, uh, what does that exactly mean? And so I, my definition of a boundary is it's your yeses and your noes, And that's all it is. It's a collection of your yeses and your noes.
0: That makes
1: sense. Yeah, it's almost like as simple as like a Dr. Seuss book. But I like to keep it that simple because the situations where we use our boundaries can feel so complicated that the only way to kind of find our way back to how do I get through this situation is how do I know what my yes and what my no is in this situation? And once you can find your way to that, you can kind of get through any layer of complexity.
0: Mm. So for people who aren't necessarily experiencing a yes or a no, where things seem kind of gray or fuzzy, is that an indication that you're not clear on your boundaries? Or are there situations when it is kind of fuzzy? And that's, that's part of the, the point. That's part of how you dance with your boundaries.
1: Oh, yeah. There's no way to be clear all the time. But you don't want to live in that fuzzy, foggy, I don't know what my boundaries are. Because that, you know, that can also become a place where you live. But there are times when we're very unsure about what do I really want to do here? And I call it, you know, it's your I don't know place. And I don't know is really a place. There are times when we aren't sure what our boundary is. But that's not a reason for us to avoid the work of actually figuring it out. It may take us more time. We have to dig in a little bit more with ourselves. We may have to sort out our feelings about the boundary um, so that we can get to what is my yes? What is my no? Um, But there are times when we can be unclear and we can be unclear for a while. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. The other really important thing that I think your listeners should know is that, you know, boundary work is ongoing. So there's no such place as I'm, I'm good, I'm there, I've kind of mastered this whole thing. This is a lifelong process. We are always working on our boundaries, always. And our boundaries can change.
0: Yeah, I think you, uh, you warn your readers that, that uh, they should plan to come back to the book every so often um, <laughs> because it's not a done deal.
1: Yes, and I've heard from people who read the book um, that they have gone back to it a couple of times and um and that it's really helpful. It, yet yeah, that you know they can use it to kind of dig in and get through their situations using the book. so i'm I'm very excited about that because the whole point of making the book was to give people something that they would find useful and helpful.
0: And did the book come out of the Transform Your Boundaries workshop, workshops that you were conducting or that you do conduct?
1: Um, it, it did grow out of that. It was kind of growing at the same time. What really happened was I was asked to speak in a, a small local community theater about just what I thought was the center of my work. And um, and I really sat and kind of meditated and thought about that question. Gee, what is the center of my work? And um, I had 15 minutes to share that with a group. And I realized the center of my work was about this boundary work and that I've been doing it with people for so long that I had a little map in my head that I created. And as I was writing out the 15-minute talk, I wrote my way through a book. Hmm. And it just took longer to get it out there. But it was, um, I, I realized I had so much to share about this map that I use in my head. And I realized I just want people to have this map. And if they can have this map, I know it works because I've been using it in therapy with people for the last 30 years. And the thing about living in a small community on an island is that i see people maybe 10 years later who i've worked with or 15 years later and they're like hey that thing we did on boundaries that worked and so i knew that the work worked i knew the map worked i just wanted to share it in a book and so uh i was doing the workshops because after i did that presentation on the stage i got so many calls from the audience i um I decided to group them together into groups and started a workshop. And I've been doing the workshop now for years um, because it has its own sort of um, usefulness to people. I try to give them the whole map in three hours. and, And so I still teach the workshop and people have the book and they can do the book without the workshop or some people like combining them
0: yeah, and for our listeners, I think it's just important for them to get it that um we're we're really focusing in on one of the essential skills of relationship, um, whether it's in romantic relationship or just relating to others in general and um and we're focusing in in a way that that Sari has shown to actually be really effective. so, Two important points um, for for why I wanted to have you on the show, and um, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about the common patterns that people that you see in people who don't have healthy boundaries. You start out your book introducing several people who are um who are amalgamations of these these patterns, but maybe you could describe them so that Uh, for everyone listening, they might say, oh yeah, I I recognize that in myself, or I didn't even think that was a sign of not having healthy boundaries, but now I hear Sari telling me it is, so I better pay attention.
1: Yeah, so um, I like to link your boundaries to your self-care. To me, it's foundational for wellness and our ability to do self-care. And these patterns that I write about in the book, and I give examples of people that are experiencing them are ways that all of us kind of substitute in and tune into what other people need from us and want from us. And it's, it kind of becomes how we set up our boundaries to respond to all that's coming towards us. And so, one of the ways that I share in the book that I've responded to all that was coming towards me is I became a workaholic. And um, workaholism can be a way that you're using your boundaries to just sort of take care of everybody else and take care of work and do your job and take care of your customers or your clients or your business. And you can get so lost in it that you don't have any boundaries around it. And I have like six other patterns listed in the book, but the primary ones are also when, when we're looking for love. And you'll do everything for love from somebody else and just to get approval from other people. And maybe you'll even sacrifice yourself in the process. Like, oh, so what if I, you know, haven't had my day off? My client really needs to see me. And so what if it's, you know, six or seven o'clock at night or I'll respect. On to that phone call on a vacation. It's this need for approval from other people where you're moving your boundaries to please people, but you're not really considering what you need or even if it's okay for you. Mm. And there's also this need to, to seek love. And that comes up a lot in relationships where you're just so hungry to be loved that you will do anything for love and not really consider if that thing is actually good for you. And this can be how people end up in relationships where maybe their partner has been gambling or taking out long lines of credit and they haven't been kind of watching over that or even aware of that. And now they're left in a situation where they are so in debt But they wouldn't have dared kind of question their partner or ask about money because they fear not being loved if they would ask for what they need, like information about our finances. And people tend to avoid certain conversations because they're fearful that they're going to lose love over it. So our boundaries end up getting distorted by these different patterns. Um, the most complicated pattern for people to understand is numbing out. Mm. But that's a way that you kind of avoid knowing yourself and maybe you're just overwhelmed with what's coming at you and you find yourself numbing out by all kinds of things. It could be through shopping. It might be through drinking or through drug taking. It could also be, um, I had somebody in a workshop who once said to me, well, I drive around in my car every night after work until I run out of gas. Is that numbing? (laughs) Yeah, that's numbing. That's like avoiding going home and going into your reality. Some people numb out watching TV. Some people numb out like on their phone. And, you know, they're just kind of lost in it. They're sitting in their home with their family and they are just on their computer. There are lots of ways for people to numb out. And some of it is healthy. Like I want to also say that there's a line in any of these patterns that we do where it's healthy and it's okay up to a certain point. And then we cross a line and we lose ourselves in it. And we are not able to find our way back. And when we've lost ourselves in it, we don't have any boundaries around the numbing behavior. So it's okay to kind of kick back and take a break at the end of the day. And if you want to play your, you know, your games online or whatever, but that you have a way to kind of check back in with your real life.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So even, you know, earlier you just you described workaholism and that doesn't mean it's bad to be a hard worker. Um, it just means when you've crossed that line where, your, where your work becomes everything and you have no way of, of carving out your own life, whether that be for yourself or your family, the things that are important to you. Um, that's and- right.
1: And I've y- never had anybody read these descriptions in the book and feel like that's not me. In fact, what most people say as they get to know these different patterns is, what if I'm more than one? What if I have three or four of these going? What if I'm a workaholic and I numb out and I'm a people pleaser? Mm. Um, and that's actually more common. I've never had anybody look at these patterns and not be able to see themselves in them. But it, you know, when you are dealing with using maybe four of them or five of them at a time, it's just a longer journey to get to your real bur- boundaries because you have a couple of ways that you go to people pleasing or taking care of others or sacrificing or looking for love without looking for you.
0: Yeah, and we've described a lot of the patterns that that are that involve engaging with the world so um, or, or or sort of I might imagine it like letting other people kind of run your life for you. So workaholism, caretaking, sacrificing yourself for others, um, looking for love, um, and then the numbing out. And I'm curious if you could also talk about the isolator pattern because that's a little Mm -hmm. bit different too, right?
1: Yes. So isolators um, tend to feel very lonely inside But their loneliness is kind of maintained by the way that they isolate. And it's, you know, all of us really need some time alone and just some time to be with ourselves. But isolating is when you're only with yourself Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: you've kept yourself so out of connecting with anybody. And for some people, that's what feels safest. But what ends up happening is they feel so alone and alienated that they become depressed in it because there's no contact with others. There's almost no relationship. And, and after a while, it can feel really hard to figure out how do I connect to others now? I've become so isolated and it's a real journey to figure out how to connect. But in those, that isolating, it's like your, your boundaries have become so rigid and so firm and so locked in that they almost become imprisoning for yourself and for your soul.
0: Yeah, and I wonder if that's even a little bit easier to do now, because as you mentioned, we're so involved in our online world and in our phones, and and it's it can be easy to essentially never interact with with another human you know, other than maybe the cashier at the grocery store. And you can, in many cities now, you can get your groceries delivered to you. So you don't even have to do that. Um, that Yeah, that's the irony of technology
1: is that you can use it to really create real connection or you can also use it to actually be disconnecting even more. And it's not a substitute for human contact. Mm, and yeah. it's not a substitute for... Real relating, um, but I think sometimes we are, in, and many, many people are just, we are struggling with with where is that line between I'm, I'm actually having a real genuine connection here or I'm actually kind of in a made-up world, a fantasy. Yeah. That I think is real, but it isn't actually based on anything.
0: Right, right. And so I think that this journey that we're about to talk about um, this journey to really connecting with your inner self and what you actually want or don't want, so what your yeses and nos are, that's going to be a huge part of having authentic connection with other people.
1: Right. It actually makes you closer to other people. It, you know, the word boundary sounds like you're a part, but it's... The way that I see the work is it brings you closer because you get much closer to yourself and you're able to share that self with others in a way that is real and they can be much closer to you because they understand what's real for you, what your yeses are, what your no's are, and then you can kind of put them together in your relationships and work really well And you can use it in your work relationships. You can use it in your family relationships, but it actually makes you much closer to people because you can be more truthful with them.
0: Mm, Yeah, so hopefully we'll get a chance to address the fear that's involved in that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, the fear. It's a little (laughs) scary. We should warn everybody listening. (laughs) Now, that's the tough part is that there's just no way around this. Without going through, this is really scary to do. Yeah, it's
0: yeah, scary
1: me to do. There are days when I, I, I really kind of sweat through. Oh my gosh, I've really got to say this to somebody. This is hard to do. It is. It is scary to do this work. But there is there's there is a benefit. So I what what gets me through is I say, well, look at the consequence. What gets me through the fear is knowing that that the result is going to be better for me and I will have taken really good care of myself and not in a selfish way, but I'll also be more authentic and more connected to whoever I'm doing this with.
0: Yeah. You talk about resentment as a very clear signal that you are maybe letting your boundaries be violated. Can you chat about that for a minute?
1: I think I think resentment is the most clear signal for anybody to know that that means you've got a boundary problem. If you're resentful, it is because we are wanting somebody else to respect our boundary. And we're resenting the fact that they don't. And it's not their job to respect our boundary. It's our job to respect our boundary. So if somebody is pushing on my boundary, I don't need to get resentful with them. I just need to handle the situation. There are some people that have what I call a very high awareness, very sensitive about boundaries. Even when you and I got on the phone for this interview today, Neil, you said to me, you know, do we have a hard stop time? Do you have to be somewhere? You know, you were really kind of checking, like, I, I want to be respectful of your boundaries. I want to know what they are, right? Yeah. That's a, that's a checking in. That told me immediately, oh, you have some awareness about my boundaries. And, um, and now I know that about you. You're thinking about it. So there are people that I say I interact with that have a high awareness of boundaries, and there are people that have a low awareness of boundaries. Meaning, I could tell them what my boundary is, but they will not respect it. They will go right past it, even when I've told them. Now, some people, once they've said to somebody, you know, "Gosh, I'd really like you to clean up the dishes from the sink," or "Gee, you know, I've asked you a thousand times to pick up the towels in the bathroom." or, you know, gosh, we had an agreement about what we were gonna spend each month and now you overspent our budget. Um, People feel like they have an agreement and then somebody violates it and then we get resentful. We don't need to get resentful. Those people just need our boundaries to get a lot clearer with them. And that's when we have to step forward and just simply saying what our boundary is is not enough for some people. For some people, you have to really back it up and you have to make a much bigger sign for them because they'll just trespass. And you don't have to get resentful that somebody's trespassing your boundary. You just have to make your boundary much bigger and much clearer so they can't trespass it and do what you need to do to take care of it. And for some people, that may mean leaving a relationship where somebody's not respecting their boundaries.
0: So before we get there, yeah, because I I definitely want to talk. I want to talk about how to communicate your boundaries and and I want to talk about those difficult moments where um, someone is perhaps very aware of their own boundaries but very unaware or or maybe they 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 hear you but they don't care. They just they're willing to let to to keep stepping over the line with you. Right. But before, but before we get there. Um, let's backtrack a little bit and talk about the the thing that you said at the very beginning, which is that the heart of boundary-making is actually self-care. And, I, and I'm not sure that that's going to make sense to everyone just yet. So let's dive in there and talk about how you expand, especially if you're someone where, let's say... Um, people are often taking advantage of you or whenever it's a difficult situation you don't know how to draw a clear line so before you know how to draw the clear line you have to you have to be able to have that inner conversation going that tells you where the line should be drawn so how do you how do you help people have that conversation and, and maybe if you could address that point as well, like why is self-care, why is that at the heart of, of making effective boundaries?
1: Well, the great part about boundary work, the easiest part about boundary work is that it all begins by just becoming aware of yourself first. You don't need anybody else to participate. You don't need anybody else to agree or respect or follow your boundaries. Because we set all of that aside and where we begin, where everybody begins with boundary work, is that you just begin with yourself and knowing. And when I say self-aware, what I mean is just knowing yourself and knowing what it is that is your real yes and your real no, what it is that you need and where you feel you're paying the price for not getting what you need or not taking care of yourself. Or not knowing how? I think you have a great question here, Neil, because many people say to me, what is self-care? That is Mm. not obvious. And and when I hear that question, I understand that, you know, that's the beginning of journey of boundary work is first understanding what is self-care? What does that mean for you? How do you take care of yourself every single day? Some of us find ourselves at the bottom of our list every day and we never get to our self-care. And self-care is about recognizing that you have some basic needs and are you doing those for yourself? And what are they? What you need each day, Neil, to feel well and to be okay on the inside is probably different than what I need. So self-care is really different for each person. So first you start with just being more aware of yourself and saying, am I taking care of myself? Am I giving myself what I need? Am I making time for that each day?
0: Yeah, and I see how those kinds of questions where you might hone in on the fact that, well, I'm I'm not actually drinking enough water Or I'm not honoring my need to get up from the computer every couple hours and stretch and take Mm -hmm. a walk and get some fresh air. So there are like those very simple physical needs, or 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 there could be things like, you know, I haven't picked up my guitar in over a year, you know. So and that's what I would. That's a huge yes for me. Um, In fact,
1: okay, and knitting is a huge yes for me. Yeah, so I, I have to knit every day for a couple of hours. And for some people it's journaling, and for others it's taking a walk.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so and I can see how you need that basically forms the core of being able to make decisions about how other people are are impacting you. And is that where you're where you go with this?
1: Well, what happens is you start to be, you, you stay connected to you and you understand that you have a, you have a self and that you have to be tuned into you because initially you're walking around pretty much tuned into what everybody needs from you and who you're interacting with. And now I want you to tune in first to you and get a sense of, are you staying checked in? Are you checking in? Do you know what you need? Do you know what's a yes for you and what's a no for you? And then once you know that, then you can begin recognizing how, how, how are you able to do that now in your relationship to other people? Because once you get more aware of you, then you share that when you're around other people and you realize, oh, my day ends at five o'clock today. And now my, uh, boss or my work partner is asking me to handle three more tasks and that'll keep me working until 6 or seven thirty tonight how do I take care of me now we're faced with dilemmas all the time which are going to give you questions all day long if you interact with human beings you are going to have your boundaries pushed on Your yes and your no, you're going to have to come up with it. Is this a yes for me or is this a no? So your next step after being a little more aware of you is is start noticing how many times a day people ask you for something (laughs) (laughs) and how many times you have the chance to clarify if that's a yes or a no. Just notice that. It's that simple. Just pay attention to what people are asking of you. And then start answering more honestly. And once you're answering honestly, you're going to have conflicts. You're going to feel bad. You're going to notice that there are times when it's hard for you to say no to somebody, but you want to. And you're going to notice that it's hard for you to say yes to your guitar playing, but you want to. So the next tricky part is how do you deal with that conflict?
0: Yeah, lay it on me.
1: And how you deal with the conflict, this is the thing that helps everybody the most, is start recognizing the price that you pay by not taking care of you, by not following through with your real yes and your real no. I mean, deep inside of us, each of us has kind of, I I think of it as a spirit. Some people may think of it as a soul, but there's a part of you inside that watches what you're doing all the time. And if it always sees you saying no to you, like, oh, I can't get to the guitar this week. No time for it next week either. In fact, no time all year. Um, Your spirit inside starts to feel depressed. This is Mm. where a lot of depression comes from. It's not the only reason why people get depressed, but it is one of them. When we are constantly saying no to ourselves And just trying to say yes to everybody else and putting ourselves last. And we start to feel better when we're able to recognize, oh, that's kind of not going to work for me right now. Let's try something else. Oh, I need to make time for my guitar. That's important to me. My spirit inside. That's a yes. I need to follow through with that. And we start making commitments to ourselves and to other people that are genuine. And when we're not doing those commitments and not following through with that, we pay the price. There is a price. There is a huge price.
0: It's so interesting because we we touched earlier on the fear that that we have and, um, and the counterpoint to that being resentment. So you could be saying yes to someone because you're afraid of what that would do to your relationship to say no but now you're operating in resentment which isn't a great foundation for a relationship either so it's it's like we're we're promoting the risk taking involved in being authentic with other people
1: that's right and i would i will i will take fear in the moment Because again, the consequence at the end of that moment, after I've gone through the scary part of saying, by the way, this is a no for me, and that was really hard for me to say, let's say, and that was scary, I will take that over the consequence of resentment any day. Because resentment does not leave us. When we are resentful, we carry that around, we pay that price all the time. And The the fear will go away. It'll diminish pretty quickly. We'll actually turn into relief because we took care of ourselves and we said no when we needed to. If I say yes when I need to say no, because I'm too afraid to say no. So now I say yes, I'm going to be just sick with resentment and I'm going to be resentful all the way through. And then I'm going to be resentful all the way after that thing happened. And then I'm still going to resent the person And I'm actually going to blame them for something I didn't take care of.
0: Right. And this can come up in anything in a relationship from who's doing the laundry or the dishes to, as you mentioned, how you're spending joint finances or, um, you know, an obvious place where that sort of thing comes up all the time is in sex. And, you know, whether you say yes or no to having sex on a given night and what that does to, to a partnership if that's creating resentment.
1: Right, right. And it's, and we're creating resentment when we are not listening to ourselves. And so to me, that price is very, very high. And when I have, you know, a couple that I'm working with in therapy and we dig into what's in the resentment boxes, boy, those are often very, very long and very, very deep They're not one or two situations. They become a way of interacting in a relationship that is, you know, goes back years. People can pull out old resentments that they're still carrying around that go back 20 years, 30 years in a relationship. And that is pretty toxic when you think about that consequence, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. So
1: while it may be much harder to say, no, we got to fix this part. This is really a no for me or no right now. um, Or it's really a yes for you and a yes right now. We have to work with each other's real yeses and no's and really understand them and figure out how do we make room for everybody's yeses and no's.
0: So I want to take a moment to just let listeners know that we have had a couple other great episodes that have been dealing with getting in touch with that inner voice. So what um, what Sari has been talking about in terms of self-care, you can find out more about how to do that work if you listen to episode 14 with Margaret Paul, where she talks about inner bonding. Um, and then we also had an episode with Dick Schwartz, who... Uh, created internal family systems, which is all about developing that inner relationship with all the varied parts within you. That's episode 26. So I just wanted to give people that resource who are listening and wanting to know how do I explore that more? And I love how simple your suggestions are around that, Sari, around just simply tuning into the very core needs that you have on a daily or moment to moment or weekly basis and to make sure that you're honoring them. What I'm wondering is. And the, uh, the other thing that yeah, go uh, ahead. makes that
1: easier is to also think about just what nurtures you. Mm. Um, and, that, and if you're starting from, I don't do any self-care, um, starting with what would nurture you? Small acts of nurturance. And then you grow it from there. Go ahead, what's your next question?
0: Yeah, and that could be an hour to read or mm-hmm. I'm at the gym or, I mean, all, all sorts of possibilities there. So the question that I had was, um, how how would you tell if your no represents a place that that needs healing? Because it actually might end up being a yes, but in the moment, it's it's a no for whatever reason. Do you get what I'm saying? Cuz I could I could imagine someone listening being like, "Well, you know, I my partner's going to hear this and he's going to start saying no to everything, you know, or something <laughs> along those lines." And um, because a lot of those nos can come from fear, um, fear of an edge or fear of wanting to avoid something. So how do you know if your if your nos are about some type of avoidance versus something genuine within
1: you. You know, that is the best example of a way to find that out that I've ever heard, Neil. Because that's exactly what you do. You ask someone, tell me more about that no. Tell me where that comes from. Tell me what, what, what brought you to that no so I can understand it. And then we create real understanding with each other. And, and it's so easy to be respectful of understanding that because sometimes a no is coming just maybe from an old wound or it could be coming from fear. And, and then it can change over time. But maybe at this moment, it is a no because I am scared. And maybe, maybe I decide I just want to stay with, with that and and take care of myself because I'm afraid. And and then maybe I become less afraid of that. And so I'm willing to step past that. Um, so sometimes our, our yeses and nos change, but that that question that you just asked is a great example of how you can use this conversation about boundaries to be more intimate and more connected to somebody. Yeah. Because now you know, more deeply where that's coming from for them. And, and, and then you can understand, oh, that's, that's why this is a no. Okay. I'm not going to push you into a yes. I mean, that doesn't make any sense because right now it's a no. It doesn't matter that it's a no because you're afraid you you're, you're allowed to, to, to do that if you need to.
0: Yeah. So this, I think brings us to the point of the conversation where it makes sense to talk about what are the best ways to deliver your yeses and your no's and maybe particularly your no's because those are the hardest. And, um, and I think we're also getting at the best way to take a no, which might be with a question. Um, but this is where things get dicey and, (laughs) and um That's a good
1: word for it now we're in the dicey <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: things get dicey and you talk about the um like you know there are the people that or situations where you have to create a boundary that are easy and, and in a sense those matter less although they're they're important obviously in terms of establishing a pattern for yourself around self-care and healthy boundaries and then there are those extreme challenges, which is where the boundaries really matter and where the no, I'm guessing it's probably mostly a no, where that's going to be the, like one of the hardest things that you, that you have to do. So do you have some suggestions on the various levels of yes. saying no? The, the,
1: the, the, when you said the word dicey, I think the, the word that I thought of immediately is, oh, you mean Emotional when it gets yeah. emotional for us, yeah. when we're, when we're, we're not only a no, but we're no with some anger, um, where our sometimes our yes and our no comes up with a lot of feelings around it. And we have a lot of feelings around it. And we might feel really angry about something. And I try to be really careful about, um, what happens when I'm feeling my boundary with a lot of emotion? Because I don't really want to put my boundary out with a whole lot of emotion. I just want to put it out with a whole lot of, I'm going to stand by this. This is my boundary. I'm not going to wiggle around it. But I don't need to put it out with anger to get it across to anybody. And When we do that, people start arguing around the emotions that they're experiencing. And they're not really listening to each other's boundaries at that moment. They're getting distracted by all the emotion that's coming with the boundary. And so I like to know when I'm feeling really emotional and take care of my feelings about it not with other people, but just with myself, using other processes. I might journal about it. I might go for a walk. I might postpone talking about something until I can take some of the heat down so that I can talk about it in a way that um, is not very emotional because I know it'll be too distracting. The only person that really needs to know the emotions in it is me. Mm. And... When other people come to me and are setting their boundary with me and it's very emotional for them, I just try to not get distracted by their emotions in it. And I try to respond to understanding what their boundary is without getting too focused on their feelings about their boundary. So I I think that is what makes it dicey is all of the feelings that can come up. And the feelings can be from old resentments of never having said this before, but have felt it for a long time or anger that somebody keeps trespassing on this boundary. Um, But setting it with the anger doesn't necessarily reach anybody more clearly. It just usually starts an argument. And ultimately, I think, you know, a lot of wars have started that way. I think it goes way beyond relationship to what happens on our planet as a result of that. So I think the dicey part is the emotions. And, and we need a way to recognize that we're having an emotional feeling about our boundary, but to try to take care of that in a different way. And um, I have a little thing that I do. One of my big fears is I, I just hate to disappoint people. That's a really hard one for me to do. It comes from my childhood and disappointing people is very difficult. And um, so I get afraid that when I'm going to say no to somebody that I'm going to disappoint them. So I take care of that feeling by, by when I'm about to do that, I say, I, I'm really sorry if you find this disappointing, but, and then I go forward and I set my boundary so I've taken care of my feeling and my fear about disappointment by putting it right on the table and say, I, I know you're going to be disappointed and I'm going to set my boundary here. And I tell them what it is. And um, that helps me get through the really difficult emotion of being afraid to disappoint people.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I imagine that so many times that may not even be true. Like you may put that out there and the person, the other person might be relieved that you're saying no instead of saying yes and not really meaning it. Um, so it's, it's, it gets into that tricky place where um, because a lot of those fears are about the assumptions that we make about how someone else is going to respond to us.
1: That's right. And it may or may not even be real.
0: Right. So I like that that languaging um where where you acknowledge that you have some fear about what a "no is going to mean to this other person, and you and you put it out there um as a way of hopefully creating more understanding with them mm-hmm. um. And and maybe that even helps create a bridge so that when someone hears your no, they don't get lost in feeling about it. But let's say they do. Let's say you say, you know, I'm really sorry if this disappoints you, um, or yes, this I makes can you think angry. of a very
1: I can think of a very specific example. I was asked to do this um, conference on the East Coast in the summertime, and I didn't want to. Uh, leave my Northwest home in the summertime. We wait all year basically for summer skies because it's gray here all winter. So I didn't want to go to Washington, D.C. in the boiling summer of August to do a conference and be indoors. Um, So when I said no, that was very disappointing to people.
0: Yeah. So the question is, what what do you suggest for someone who delivers a no and is met with the the worst response that they could have possibly imagined
1: (laughs) right that that does happen yeah then it's it's just sort of like okay they're having some feelings about that yeah it is hard and they are having an emotional response and they wanted a different answer from me and I understand that and of course people want what they want. And and so when that happens, whether it's with my marriage or with my kids or with um, a, a business situation, I understand that when somebody is like, I'm flipping out. I can't believe this is a no right now. Um, and they're upset, you know, or, or I can't give money to somebody for something because I couldn't afford that, whatever it is. And um, I just recognize yeah that's disappointing or it's upsetting or it's hard but you know we'll get through it and I'm sorry and uh, but but this is my truth and I'm okay with standing by my truth and I'm okay with people having feelings about it I don't I don't need people to be okay with my inner boundaries <laughs> I just have to be okay with it It's okay for other people to react or to be upset or to not like that they'll get over it it's, you know, that's the thing of realizing it's okay for other people to have feelings and I'm okay with that.
0: Yeah. I I
1: don't need you to be okay with what my boundary is. I, I just, if you're having an emotion about it and you're upset, well, then I want to understand what your feeling is. I'm not going to change my boundary based on that, but I understand that that was upsetting and disappointing and frustrating and, um, and I also know that you'll come up with a different solution that might not involve me. That's yeah. okay. I can't, I can't make everybody feel okay all the time. That's a lot of guesswork. And that's what many people get stuck doing is, you know, they want to set their boundary according to what's, what's going to please everybody else. And they're taking everybody else's temperature and trying to make everybody happy when I can't make you happy if you want to be angry because of my boundary, that's okay. You're allowed to feel that. If you want to feel that all day long, that's up to you. You you can have whatever feeling you want. It's in your body though. It's not in mine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I And this is why these kinds of things are so challenging because, um, well, for the one thing we want to create for the most part, I think, a, a culture of yes in romantic relationships, <laughs> you know? Like, especially in your... you
1: love that word, don't they? It's got such positive feelings.
0: Yeah, well, and and it's, it comes up, it actually came up in a conversation. I had a woman named Patty Stiles on the show, who's an improv teacher. That was episode 17, for those of you who are paying attention, and... Um, and we, so we were talking about the art of improvisation and the difference between a yes and a no. And, okay. and um, it's not that you never say no, um, clearly, because then you get into the problems that we're talking about here on the show. Um, but when you deliver no, but it, it happens in a greater context of yes, then you're actually still building something. You're still going somewhere. And I think what's challenging in delivering a no is that it can feel like such a disconnect and, and it can um, for, especially for couples who are still um, figuring out how to, how to create that safe um, couple container um, where they feel really securely attached with each other. Then a no can feel like a rupture of attachment. Um, So, I think what I was what occurred to me while you were describing that and and this like being okay with like I, I have to be okay with saying no and seeing like okay like wow I said no and now you're really pissed at me. Um so how do you how do you still connect? How do you still create safety even when the message in this moment is is no, that doesn't really that doesn't work for me right now.
1: Right. So I think there are two parts to that. One is about recognizing um, the power of your yes and your no. And when I do leadership training with leaders, I really work with them on that, on, on having it, having people spend time thinking about what a no really feels like to be on the receiving end, because um particularly in relationships where power is involved a no um can mean a lot of things around authority and it can be disempowering to people so we do have to be thoughtful about are we building something are we creating a team like you said are we building a close connection how do we how do we recognize um a no that can be disruptive to the connection versus a yes that helps us keep building forward if we're trying to build creative ideas or we're trying to build a plan together. We don't want to come out with like a hard, like let's say you and your partner are having, like you're just discussing what you're going to do for your vacation. And and you're thinking, you know, I'm going to, we're, we're, we got to get on the road and see my family. We haven't seen them in a while. And your partner's thinking, I was thinking a trip to Hawaii, no family, right? And and now we're kind of in a, in a little conflict about, oh, we really have different point of views. And I like people to know that everybody has a different point of view than you. And it's just important to understand each other's point of view. And then you figure out, well, what's our goal here? Is our goal to get all the yeses on the table and put them together in some way that everybody's getting some of what they want? And are we able to treat those no's in a way that we're being respectful um, to our time and to each other? And so it's not about disconnecting from people per se. Sometimes you want to use your no because you do want to disconnect from somebody. But because you're using a no doesn't mean you're disconnecting from your relationship. It just means you may have different priorities about that moment or about what to do in a situation. And you're trying to honor that. And so that is why you don't wanna deliver your no with a whole lot of emotion. That's why you want to take the emotion out so that you're not disrupting the relationship, but that you're keeping the connection and you're being very kind of matter of fact, oh, that's really, um, that's not gonna work for me. That's gonna be a no, I'm not able to do that but I can see that you have a problem here. What are some other solutions? How else can this be addressed? Um, In that case with like the conference that I didn't want to go to, we came up with a solution where they filmed me doing my work here and they just used a clip of the film in the conference. And for them, that worked really well um, there's, there's problem solving. So when you come up with a no and you're in a close relationship then you're like, well, how else can we solve this problem other than going past what's a no for me? Mm. So, um, like with my husband and I, we've been, um, we've had a house that we've been paying off a mortgage on. And a no for me has been to expand that mortgage and, you know, buy other things or remodel and extend out our mortgage, you know, so when we come up against something that we need to repair or something that we really want to do, we have to sit with each other. And I say, that's still a no for me. So how else can we pay for this? How else can we still take care of this situation? And, and we've been working on holding that with each other for like 20 years, doesn't turn into big fights. It's like if he wants to uh, change that no, he'll come up and go, oh, this is the moment. We really need a car that works, you know, (laughs) know, we're up against a challenge. We got to extend the mortgage. And I've been holding that like, no, that's still a no for me. What else can we do? We just got to work through this. And now we're at the point where the mortgage is being paid off. So I'm like thrilled. And now he's thrilled that that ended up working. Because, you know, if I didn't hold my no, we probably would never have this mortgage paid off. Um, so, uh, you know, sometimes you don't have in a partnership, in a close relationship, you can't expect each other to have the same yes and no. It's, it, you have to start from understanding that your partner is allowed to have their own yeses and nos and they're going to be different than yours. Everybody has a different point of view. And the challenge is to figure out how do we work together? How do we prioritize those when they come up? And how do we make sure that everybody's okay?
0: Mm.
1: So, you know, it's not like my husband wouldn't end up with a car to drive. It just might not have been a very expensive car. Right? So we still take care of the need, but we have to sometimes parse out how do we meet these needs without violating each other's no's?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And it encourages creativity. And, uh, for, for those of you who are hearing no's, maybe some of you for the first time after this episode and your, your partner listens and they're like, I'm done being a pushover. Um, it's, I think what I'd like you to be hearing now is also this encouragement to, to get creative. Like you can, You can coexist with a a values conflict if you're willing to expand the the field a little bit.
1: Now, here's the thing that people should be aware of. When somebody comes at you with a lot of rage because you've said no to them, I just call that manipulation in my book. Mm. So I don't take those feelings all that seriously because I'm like, oh, wow, they really wanted a yes. And they're just using their anger now to try to get me to change my mind. That's all. And of course, people want to change your mind. I mean, that's human nature. We want to get what we want. And that's how human beings are. And people are going to push up against you. And people that feel like they've been a pushover shouldn't really feel so bad about that because actually people are pushing against all of us all the time. That's a very accurate thing. And I just, when I see somebody come at me and they're really angry that I've said no about something, I just see that as, oh, 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 you're just wanting me to change my mind. (laughs) Okay, I get it. I get it. I'm really sorry. I'm still not changing my mind. I know that's really upsetting. Yeah. So I just see that as a way to try to change somebody's mind. I'm not too concerned about it when I see it. And I don't see it as a relationship disruptor. It may be for them. They may be for a while. No, I'm so pissed. I don't want to talk to you because you're not willing to do what I wanted. And it's like, okay, well, you can do that for a while if you need to. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I understand that you're angry. I understand why you're angry. I'm not changing my mind. And, you know, we can, again, figure out how else you can get what you need from somebody else or somewhere else because I can't do that.
0: Yeah, and let's spend a moment, if you don't mind, talking about it from that perspective. How, if I'm listening to this show, might I recognize myself as someone who can't um, can't handle other people's boundaries very well? And um, like, how do I know if I'm someone who isn't respecting other people? And I know you said at the very beginning that it's it's really not it's like not your job to re- to necessarily be respecting other people's boundaries like that there's a a place where that borders on caretaking and and hopefully we're we're all building our internal resourcefulness and That's our ability right. to 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 state and maintain our boundaries um but life could certainly be a lot easier if um if people are are at least being more and more aware of our boundaries so how would i recognize if i'm being willfully ignorant about the boundaries that are being expressed around me.
1: You know, that's interesting because I have seen that come up every time I do the workshop. There's at least one person in the room that will boldly and honestly say, oh my gosh, I've not been respecting anybody's boundaries. And the very first time I heard that, it kind of floored me. I'm like, what? You noticed this (laughs) from the (laughs) workshop? And I get emails from people who have read the book. I have been bullying people. That wasn't my intent to reach that audience. I'm always thinking about the people that are having trouble getting to their boundary. But what I've seen is this work does help those people see it also. And what they immediately get is, am I listening when you say yes or no? And so when you're doing this work, even if you are reading about this and you think, I don't have any trouble with boundaries. I've got a really, I've got a backbone and I just say no to people and I take care of myself and I don't know what Sari's talking about here. I don't have any issues with this. Well, that may be what you're thinking, but then you realize, oh, but I'm stampeding on other people's boundaries. I don't take no for an answer. I'm not really listening when somebody says no to me
0: yeah or when they say no i get angry or um
1: or when they point out their yes i dismiss it and say oh that's a ridiculous waste of time i'm not going to do that mm and so i dismiss their yeses and make that insignificant or their no's like i i i had an experience with um, one of my family members and we were trying to make dinner plans and that wasn't working out and They sent me a a link and said, oh, my gosh, it won't work tonight. But here's this upcoming concert. Can we do this? I mean, I wasn't thinking about the concert. So I could have just dismissed that. No, let's get back to dinner planning. But I realized, oh, that's their yes. Oh, okay. Well, that looks fun. Sure, I can make that a yes. Let's go with that. Let's do the concert. So it's um, paying attention to other people's yeses and nos when they're sharing them with you and treating that moment like it's valuable. I'm paying attention. I go out, anytime I go out and have contact with what I call human beings, like I, I am with other people. I'm having human contact anywhere I go. Anytime I'm with people, I am listening. Is somebody telling me what their yes is? Is somebody telling me what their no is? And am I telling them? Hmm. So it's just, it's just staying aware and noticing that, that we're in these conversations all the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And if, so if you're not paying attention, then hopefully after hearing this conversation, suddenly you'll start to notice that those conversations are happening everywhere. And,
1: uh. That's right. And that somebody has said no to you. And then what did you do with that information? Yeah. That's all. It's like starting to notice. Oh, you just said no. Okay. Well, can I be responsive to that and respectful and recognize you're entitled to your own point of view?
0: Yeah, we are. We're going to have the uh, the folks who wrote difficult conversations on the show this summer. Um, So we're going to get more into the nitty gritty of those kinds of conversations where maybe you have two. Knows happening and somehow people have to come to agreement about something. Um, I'm wondering, Sari, um, one thing that I really liked about your book was this notion that you can just make the little decisions, the little yeses and no's, and that they they don't necessarily have a plan, but then the plan kind of emerges from that. And, um, you know, I'm so appreciative of your time on the show today. And I'm wondering if that would be a good place to, to wrap things up um, because I could imagine a lot of people, I mean, you brought it up at the very beginning that like sometimes setting a boundary means actually getting out of a relationship or, or cutting off contact with a person. So, but before someone makes a big decision like that, there are other decisions that that they might wanna make first, right?
1: Right, and I, I think that there's always a lot of, of work to do. People realize usually when they pick up my book that, that things aren't working for them around their boundaries, and they're willing to, to explore that. And, and I made the book a journal book with a lot of questions in it to allow people to find their way through the work and take the time that they need to figure it out for themselves. And then sometimes I, I do boundary consults with people if they get stuck and they're not sure of, you know, kind of how to, how to work through maybe a very specific situation in their life. Um, and I do think that we start small and, and we start with kind of 15 minutes of self-care and you start expanding out and you start with, yeses and noes that feel like you can pay attention to and that you're willing to commit to. And you don't start with the biggest and hardest thing. Everybody who's struggling with a boundary has something really big and hard that they're dealing with. And in the book, I call those extreme boundary challenges. But before you can tackle those, there is some foundational work to do around your self-care, your ability to nurture yourself, your understanding about your emotions, your understanding about what you need and the price that you're paying. And we untangle all of that so that then you're able to tackle the really challenging boundaries that may be very difficult for you. But you can't start there. Trying to to start at that level is, is like not having you know, all the foundational pieces that you need in place first. So I always like to make sure that we've got the, we've got all the inner abilities down so that you have a way to tackle the difficult boundaries that you're really struggling with. And for listeners who, you know, may not have time to kind of dig into the book, I really like to recommend that you start with my TEDx talk. It's like 15 minutes. It gives you a lot of basics and, um, and then you know, if you get more interested from there, you can really dig in with the book.
0: Yeah, so I'm 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 glad that you brought that back up. We will have a link to TED uh, TEDx talk on uh, on the show notes um, for this episode and on the website, so you can find that there. Um, and Sari's book, Transform Your Boundaries, is available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and Powell's. Um, and I think you mentioned to me that you have an app coming out in the
1: yes. fall. Yes. Well, I highly recommend reading the book because the app is coming out in the fall and the app takes all the principles that are in the book and puts them on an app and allows you to work with yourself on your own boundary goals and it'll have the boundary principles and lessons inside the app. So you can refer to them whenever you need them, but you can also write in your own goals and help remind yourself through the day and through the week. No, this is really important to me. I'm going to say yes in this situation, or I'm going to say no. And it's a way to keep you connected to your boundary work. So you don't lose sight of you. I'm really excited about the app. The app will be free. Um, and it's just another way to help build your boundaries.
0: How cool. How cool. Um, you can also hire Sari to do a workshop in your community and, um, she has a transform your boundary workshop that she puts on and all the information about her work is available on her website, SariGilman.com. And that's spelled S-A-R-R-I Gilman, G-I-L-M-A-N.com. So, um, Thanks, Uh,
1: Neil. Thanks for having me on. And um, I really appreciate the thoughtful questions and the interest in this material. Uh, I think it's going to be life-changing for people.
0: It's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. And um, I'm wondering if, actually, before we go, if you have one more minute. Yes. um, Is there anything that you could suggest for, because there are a lot of couples who listen to this podcast together. What could you suggest for them as a way to to create a um more of a context for honoring each other's boundaries, like are there are there games or exercises that a couple could actually do together that would help them create that environment in their relationship?
1: Well, I thought about that when I did the book, and several um, couples have sent me emails and called and let me know that what they do is they do the exercises together they each do them on their own and that are in the book and then they share with each other what they wrote out from their own exercises and that that has been a really big process of discovery
0: Mm, for each
1: other and it's also about making time to have the conversation each day, you know, in couples, people can get really busy and not make time to really check in with their partner and say, are we checked in with each other? Do I know uh, what you're thinking about this and how you're feeling about this? And are we making time to really sit and be with each other? And I consider it like 20 minutes, at least half hour every day. To really just be checked in, yeah. Like anything you got to share, anything I need to know about, anything that's on your heart. Um, it's it's just really important for people to sit and connect with each other. And um, we've now got a lot of distractions happening around us, and people are being pulled in so many different distractions um, that we really have to make sure in partnerships that we're doing quality connecting. That's actually real.
0: Yeah. I also like the idea of asking each other, what, what do you need for your self-care? Like how, how can I help you create space to do whatever it is you need? And what do you need? Cause that's a great journey of really yeah, getting and to And how your
1: do part. I encourage that for you? And, um, and how do I support, support my, what can I do on my end to support and make sure that that happens for you as well?
0: yeah. And when you were describing your leadership workshops and getting people to experience a yes and a no, that it popped into my head that that would be a great game to play in relationship where you would sit down with your partner and like on purpose ask them things that are meant to elicit a no from them, like where you know you're going to get a, a no, just so you can play with what does it feel like to hear no, what does it feel like to hear yes and even that could just be an exercise that, um, you know, where you just say, okay, I'm going to say no to everything for the next five minutes. Uh-huh. And it, and it, uh-huh. it could be fun, you know, to give you a chance to uh, to maybe express some things that you know your partner will say no to. And that could be really funny.
1: Yeah. And it just and and you take some of the energy out of it by making it funny cuz it is funny. I mean humor is a really important thing. And once you're laughing about this with each other, you you really are getting to a good place with the work cuz you can catch yourself and you can laugh and you can say this is kind of funny.
0: Yeah. It is, I can't tell you how many times my partner and I have stepped back from a very serious situation and just started laughing at each other because it's actually kind of funny in the big in the bigger scheme of things
1: that's right, that's right, and that that's when we gain our perspective and realize we don't have to take everything so seriously. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, Sari, thank you so much for coming on the show today. And uh, just a reminder for everyone, we will have information so that you can get in touch with Sari and find out more about her work on our website. Um, And if you also download the show guide, which you can get at neilsatin.com slash boundaries, or by texting the word passion to the number 33444 and following the instructions, Uh, you'll be able to get the show notes and qualify to win a copy of Sari's book, Transform Your Boundaries, and and some cards that she's also offering that are not currently available to the public. So thank you so much for your generosity today, Sari, and for your time in coming on the show.
1: Okay, thank you and have a great day.
0: You as well. Thank you for listening to another episode of Relationship Alive. If you like what you've heard and want to make it easier for other people to find out about us, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have questions or comments or want to continue the conversation, you can always join our Relationship Alive community Facebook group. And for more information about today's episode, visit us online at neilsatin.com slash podcast. Or you can always text the word passion, P-A-S-S-I-O-N to the number 33444 for more information. Finally, do you have a burning question that you're hoping we can have answered here on Relationship Alive, either for a future or past guest? Let me know and I'll see what I can do.